Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Analyze Scripts. We are so excited to be covering the movie She's the Man, which came out in 2006 and starred Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. Whoa, I, I'd never seen this movie before. It's almost 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy to think about? Um, I've seen it many times. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, loved it. One of my favorite movies. Really? I think from, like, you know, teenhood. Nice. I think this is, again, where I feel really old. But that's okay. That's okay. Um so this movie was based on a play by Shakespeare, The Twelfth Night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I didn't know that until 
um, like I did research for this podcast mm. episode. Um, so because we're professional, yeah, because we yeah. you know we we want to plan things out. But apparently, mm. it's based on the Shakespeare's play, and it's about even by name Viola and her twin brother Sebastian. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. shipwrecked. Um, they believe that they, each other drowned. So Viola disguises herself as a young man. Um, in order to get a job as a servant for Duke, the Duke yep. of, what is it, Orsino. And it's, like, funny because Duke is played by Channing Tatum. So, right. like, I had no idea that there were all these references right. to this play. Right, right. And I think it's just interesting, right? Like, a, a girl dressing up as a boy, how that has been in culture and society, like, forever, mm-hmm. right? Um, really interesting to talk about this movie now, um, just again in the political climate of today and, and, and everything going on in terms of gender identity. Yeah. So we see um, Amanda Bynes did a lot of work at this time um, mm-hmm. in some other movies that I absolutely loved. One of them she goes to, I think, like England or something to like find her long last dad. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just, you know, she's absolutely a gem. So she was 20 when this was filmed. Channing Tatum was 26, um, which I think is we always like kind of laugh at people who play high school roles. Right. They were totally in high school. Yeah. And he was 26. Yeah. It was funny to see. Channing Tatum as like a youngster mm-hmm. um, and just be like, huh, he really bulked up for Magic Mike. Yeah, this was even pre like the dance movies, um, mm, not Magic Mike. Step up. Step up. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. And I did find it hard to watch, I'll be honest, Amanda Bynes like in her quote unquote prime, mm-hmm. given what we sort of have seen happen to her. Um, and again, we're not here to offer any any thoughts like about someone's uh, personal mental health issues. But I think, Portia, you were pointing out that um, she's 20 years old in this movie and around age 24, things started to change for her, which Mm -hmm. we do see um, in terms of when women tend to develop significant mental health Mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. And something that I learned um, more recently as well is that Amanda Bynes actually like really lobbied to have Channing Tatum in this role and it was his first Mm. um, role where he was like a main character. I think I did read Mm. that somewhere. I think Mm. he recently like said that or was giving an interview about that, how he like really appreciated that. Yeah, so that was sweet. And then we have some other um, cast members who I thought most notably um, Daphne who plays Viola and Sebastian's mom Uh, played by Julie Haggerty was also the mom and wife in What About Bob? And she kind of played the same kind of like aloof ditzy disconnected Mm -hmm. character Mm -hmm. um i thought it was really funny the whole thread of like the debutante ball is that something that happens up here in the northeast so growing up in the south this is like a thing and it it seemed like you know I, i believe like debutante balls Back in the day where for maybe even still presently, like I remember a couple years ago, Reese Witherspoon's daughter was like in a debutante ball. It's supposed to be like the way high society girls are introduced to society and maybe meet a suitor. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, just yesterday, I saw a New York Times article um, about, a de- you know, debutante balls um, or like debutante societies, but in an African-American uh, community, I believe in Detroit or somewhere in Michigan and how uh, those women really appreciate the balls because it helps them find mentors. Um, so it's interesting because I always thought it was like to find a husband, mm-hmm. but it sounds like uh, at least in this community, it shifted a bit to find mentors, which I thought is really positive. Um, growing up in the South, I did go to something called Cotillion. Okay. Uh, have you heard of what um, that is? Yes. <laughs> 
uh, which they sort of depicted like when uh, Amanda Bynes' character is like, you know, coming in and they're all eating on Mm -hmm. China and stuff like that. I just remember I had to wear these like white gloves and learn how to handshake and how to curtsy. And um, we had like homework assignments in between the sessions where you'd have to like shake certain people's hands and they'd have to like sign off and you had to learn all these fancy dances like the foxtrot and oh, I, I so hated like, this that's pretty, i mean that's exactly what i envisioned it being yeah i hated it um i i remember i used to like pretend to have stomach aches so i wouldn't have to go and then the final dance you're supposed to dance with all these boys and it was like in sixth grade or something i just like hated mm. it so uh, sorry, mom, if you're listening, I just really didn't love it. But um, that's sort of spot on depicted, yeah. I think, in this. Yeah, so we see, um, so it's kind of just the plot is that, Amanda, so Amanda Vines, Viola's character, learns that her high school um, women's soccer team is being cut. But um, due to like low uh, participation numbers. Mm-hmm. And she is really into soccer, right? Mm-hmm. We see the opening scene. They're playing on the beach. She seems like she has a good relationship with her boyfriend. And her friend. He seems... He seems supportive in the moment, but um, so then we, so they are really upset and they kind of go up to the boys soccer team and they want to play. And the coach is kind of like laughing, like that's absurd. You can't do that. You can't play with the boys. Exactly. And so girls aren't fast. Initially, it seems like they're not even going to let them try out, which per Title IX, if there is not a um, alternative sport, then they have to be allowed to try out. Can you explain, Portia, for our listeners what Title IX is? So Title IX basically is for education systems and and kind of guarantees equal treatment. Um, and, and what we're seeing now is a lot of Title IX being brought up with gender mm-hmm. um, identification in sports. Mm-hmm. So basically... It guarantees an equal amount of – so I'll just speak to it with sports. I know that it's bigger, but it it guarantees, like, an equal amount of sports per, like, um, school. So, like, Mm -hmm. for example, if there's six boys' sports teams, there has to be six girls' sports teams. If Mm -hmm. there is a seventh sports team, it has to be co-ed. So, for example, a lot of – I'm thinking back in in my high school team, like, golf was co-ed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like boys and girls tennis, mm-hmm. you know, football, um, field hockey. So mm-hmm. like that's the kind of counterpart, but there has to be an equal number. Mm. Okay. Okay. And I think um, aren't there also like I think at colleges and stuff now they have like Title IX offices, Title IX yeah. coordinators. And I think that's also maybe where you go if if you've experienced like a sexual assault or there's some concern about harassment or things like that. So I think it does. Right. Or am I Yeah. Wrong? So it prohibited sex-based discrimination in any school or education education program that receives any funding from the federal federal government and it started in um, 1972 oh i thought it was like recent so they've made you know amendments to it i'm sure over and over Mm -hmm. um since then but that's like that's when it started so this uh, initial school would have been in violation of title nine then okay good to know i thought maybe that came about like after you know like in the past 20 Mm -hmm. years but i guess not no yeah okay good to know but so they won't let her uh, sort of try out or play. Her boyfriend is really icky yeah, um, and dismissive about her feelings. So she breaks up with him. Mm-hmm. Good. And then she has this uh, idea that she's going to dress up like her brother and um, impersonate him at his school for two weeks so that she can make that male soccer team and kind of beat 
yeah. the her Cornwall, boyfriend's team. Yeah. Is, yeah. Oh yeah, it's Cornwall and Illyria. Illyria, which was a funny name, but I bet those stem back to the yeah, Shakespeare play, that right? That makes that. sense. I think so. That makes a lot more sense because they're kind of odd. So basically, that's the premise of the movie, and we see Amanda Bynes portray stereotypical gender roles and mannerisms in a comedic way. And right, she's always been known uh, for her comedic timing and like the slapstick nature and like the physical comedy. Mm -hmm. Like she's always been known for that. So you definitely see that here. Um, But what were your thoughts, Portia, about the way she sort of portrayed masculinity versus femininity? So (laughs) I think she also, like, let's just remind ourselves that this film was probably made in, like, 2004, right? came out in 2006. So, like, some of the things that they were even just saying, like, when she's in the shower room with um, Duke and she's just, like, calling, you know, Brosif, Broski, G-Money. Like, (laughs) it's, like, that's all, like, a lot of those things are also just, like, from men. And, like, people did say things like that. So, you know, it's not that outrageous. But I thought she... First of all, which we already said, her she is just phenomenal at that kind of humor. Mm-hmm. And so I think ironically, now looking back, though, she like in this role is bringing a lot of like gender mm-hmm. issues and mm-hmm. questions um, up onto the surface in a really like big way. Again, using, that we did not see prior. Yeah. Yeah. And again, using humor, which, you know, we think of as a mature defense mechanism to explore really complex difficult topics mm-hmm. much like we talked about with our barbie episode but in a different way and and i'm like was that intentional or was that like it just happened and they take it even further when with you see her because they could have easily just thrown a wig and write the sideburns on mm-hmm. um and just had her wearing like a tightly fitted sports bra but you see them like they take the espionage and they're like binding which right. is a pretty common practice if someone's trans and they're trying to have like a flat chest mm-hmm. um you see her kind of packing like a um a, a filled sock to look like a penis mm-hmm. to use in her pants and again that's something that is used mm-hmm. so i thought even like that could have easily been left out and i don't think anyone would have noticed right 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 i totally agree and i thought um You know, before we continue, I did just want to give a couple of definitions uh, for our listeners, because I think as we start talking about gender dynamics, sexual dynamics, um, trans, cisgender, like things like that, it can be really confusing. Um, So, again, I want to just give a couple of, uh, you know, standard definitions. So when we use the word sex, uh, like in the medical field, um, what the definition of sex is a biological category based on reproductive, anatomical, and genetic characteristics generally defined as male, female, and intersex. So something I hear a lot in the popular press and media is like, you're born a boy or a girl, that's it. And actually, that's just not true of the human species and a lot of other species, if you look into like um, different animals and things like that. So there are several medical conditions where um, a child isn't born at birth with what we consider male genitalia or female genitalia. Those things can include things like Kleinfelter syndrome, Turner syndrome, and androgen insensitivity syndrome. Um And these are complicated things, and we won't get into all the details, but in those different syndromes, you know, the anatomical, chromosomal, or gonadal sex 
um, varies in some way from what we would typically call male or female genitalia. So for people who are constantly shouting, like, you're either a boy or a girl, that's just not true. Like, there are humans, again, it's rare, but there are humans born who, for example, like, their internal organs don't match the external genitalia or vice versa. Um, And so, again, usually at birth, parents are kind of advised, like, you can pick the gender now. It might change for some of these conditions. Um, Other times, um, maybe the parents just, maybe especially today, like, don't pick and sort of see what the child chooses. Um, but, But that can change over the course of a child's life. And sometimes... Um, people with these conditions prefer to be called intersex. I think, you know, back in the day, we used to call people with these conditions hermaphrodites, and that um, I think can have a really negative connotation attached to it. Um, but I think that is important to just point out that not everyone is just born, born a boy or a girl. So that is sex, though, you know, that's medical based on these factors. Gender is different from that, right? So when we say gender, that refers to socially constructed roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes that a given society associates with being a woman, man, girl, or boy, as well as relationships with each other. As a social construct, gender varies from society to society and can change over time. Um, I think that's really important that we understand that that's what gender is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, I think we see Amanda Bynes' character, Viola, sort of display that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so someone's gender identity is an individual sense of being a man, woman, boy, girl, genderqueer, non-binary, et cetera. And this doesn't have to be visible to other people. What you see from the outside is what we call gender expression. That's how someone chooses to convey their gender identity through their behavior, clothing, or other external characteristics. And not everyone feels safe to do that. Um, And so I think I just thought it was important to sort of bring up those topics and give those, um, you know, legitimate definitions to help us as we conceptualize, you know, this movie and the effects it's had. So if we also think about like gender kind of being on like a spectrum, Mm -hmm. I think we have like either end where, you know, you are highly feminine appearing or highly masculine appearing. And then we see kind of people for ever, Ever. right? Like kind of being in the middle, like that would be a tomboy. So a girl who like feels more, you know, masculine, maybe like plays more with masculine toys um they they might be more like i'm just envisioning like right a little girl who has like braids and like overalls and is like playing in the dirt with Mm -hmm. a monster truck like like roberta from now and then i don't know if you saw that movie oh my god again i'm it's so good portia but i will also add that i think it's always been way more acceptable to be a tomboy right a a, girl to be more mm -hmm. masculine presenting than for a boy to be more feminine Feminine presenting. presenting yeah um so again we just see there's this really long range of of how you present yourself. And I think what's interesting that you just kind of spoke to, though, is it's different in culture to culture, right? Right. So if I'm thinking of like, we, you know, we also covered the movie Barbie. Like if we think about like that um, Barbie feminism, it's like I'm thinking of someone who might be all the way on one of the spectrum who's wearing like all pink, Mm -hmm. driving a pink car Mm -hmm. and is like in this pink role and likes everything that's feminine. And it's like, but that's what that culture exactly, calls feminine. Exactly. And, and what, another one mm-hmm. might be entirely, entirely different, different of they're all the way at that end femininity. Right. And again, like their inner gender identity might not be the same as what they're expressing mm-hmm. outside their gender expression. I think that is where um, 
you know, as people grow up and you you start to figure out like who are you really, things can change. Um, and and speaking to that in in different cultures, again, how gender is such a social construct. I was really interested to learn recently about the concept of two spirit in the indigenous culture. Um, so indigenous people, it turned, you know, I, I didn't know this before doing a little research before this episode, um, have kind of always had this concept of two spirit, which they, they sort of define as a person who identifies as having both a masculine and a feminine spirit. And this term is used by some indigenous people to describe their sexual gender and or spiritual identity. Um, I thought that was just really interesting. Like uh, other cultures sort of have lingo to talk about these difficult concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I'm sure it varies, you know, from culture to culture right. too. Right. And even if, I think as simply as like in, I don't know, I guess, I guess American culture, it's like there's some women we could think of it just as this who like don't ever want to wear a dress or a skirt. You know, right. I mean, and they they just feel more comfortable always wearing pants or shorts or something like that. And it's it's like that's such not a big deal. But again, I'd say like that is someone who's on a different place of the gender spectrum than someone else who does feel like more comfortable or wants to do that because they think of it in like a feminine way. So I just think it's like it doesn't have to be that huge right which i think that's the big kind of conflicts going Mm -hmm, on it's mm -hmm. like we all land somewhere on it Mm -hmm. and i think everyone would be surprised that they're probably not in the end right exactly (laughs) right yeah exactly and i think like like you're saying how you define masculinity or femininity is really determined by the culture you're growing up in Mm -hmm. and how you're like reacting to that right yep um and uh, sometimes i like that example about the dresses or the pants just because you like to wear pants, that doesn't mean your gender identity is male. Right. It could. Not always. Like, a lot of women like wearing pants, too. It, it's different. It's just Again, expression. You know, exactly. I think, you know, like, the way you're expressing yourself is different from your gender identity for some people. Mm-hmm. So given that example, why don't we also define what transgender means? Because that is a term that we use a lot in our American society. It is hot in um, politics right now. Um, Also a lot with Title IX specifically. In sports. Yeah, that has been everywhere these past few years. So the official definition of transgender is someone who identifies with the gender other than the one that was assigned to them at birth. Period. Okay, guys, that's it. It has nothing to do with your genitalia. It has nothing to do with your anatomic, chromosomal, gonadal sex organs. That is it. It means that the gender you identify with differs from the one you were assigned at birth. You know, there's a lot of um, discussion, I think, about this term because in some ways it feels outdated um, or there's some criticisms about it um, because it sort of implies that there was a point at which someone was cisgendered, which means that your inner gender identity matches the gender you assumed at birth. This, I, you know, the word trans in some ways, some people, some critics of that word will say like implies that you were cisgendered, then you became transgendered, I think, which can be really harmful, but it does give us a language to use. Um, so often when someone identifies as a trans man, that would be someone who perhaps or who at birth was, um, you know, assigned a female gender, or identified female gender, and finds that they uh, identify more with being a man. A trans woman would be the opposite. Um, and a lot of people don't like those terms. And so they might use something more broad, like gender nonconforming um, or non-binary. So in the movie, you know, we're seeing Viola 
by definition, cross-dressing, right? So it's like she is putting on male clothes. She hasn't said, right, anything that she's feeling, mm-hmm. um, like she is thinking of having a, an identity as a man or anything like that. So like... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I, you know, by a definition using um just like language like that's what she's doing. Right. But in in it, it's like it it expands this whole question of like, well, you know, and again, we're we're pretending to know her inner thoughts as Viola. <laughs> it's like, is is she? Like is it are does she have some thoughts of of maybe, you know, wanting to identify more with with a male persona or um does she feel more comfortable that way? Where does this go in the future? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just really interesting because she can still be, you know, attracted to Duke, right? That has mm-hmm. nothing to do with how you express your gender. Um, but is she, you know, kind of throughout the end of the film ex- exploring this and does it feel good for her? And is that something mm-hmm. that then she might choose to do? Right. And I personally don't think so. I don't think Viola is uh, trans. I think that she was she had a goal in mind. Uh, she wanted to play soccer, <laughs> and that is why she's doing this. It didn't seem like she was having confusion or what we might call gender dysphoria, which is a lot of distress about, mm-hmm. um, you know, the gender you feel like you have to express. Um, I didn't get that from her. I got that she just wanted to play soccer, but the whole time felt female. I think mm-hmm. you could see that, like, when she would slip back into, <laughs> you yeah. know, her her girl voice or these girl mannerisms um, and things like that. But I do agree that this film does open that up and it does show someone in adolescence exploring their gender Mm -hmm. now again what we know about people who identify as trans or non-binary is that this starts really early just like you know someone else walking around who identifies as cisgender and they say like i've always known i was a girl these people have like always known that this is where they fall um, and it's even normal in toddlerhood, right? For like boys to wear dresses or girls to pretend to be boys. Like this is normal as you're trying to figure it out. Um, but then typically, you know, people who identify as trans keep wanting to, you know, if, if you're born a boy gender, you might want to play with dolls. You might want to dress up. Um, that starts really mm-hmm. early. Um, and, and tomboy starts to not be enough, right? So yeah. like, you know, I'm this is why it's a spectrum experience exactly so it's like you know you're you're kind of 
portraying a little bit more like of a masculine expression and then like that's not enough right Mm -hmm. you still are having kind of this gender dysphoria you still feel distress and then Mm -hmm. you kind of keep following along the 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 spectrum until Mm -hmm. you land somewhere that feels good sometimes that is with surgery and other times it's not right and uh i think it's really important that we also talk about um that these are real things, right? And these this this type of dysphoria um, that stems from a mismatch between your inner gender identity and the outer gender expression you've sort of been raised to, you know, abide by mm-hmm. or is socially acceptable is really significant. And it's been around forever. Like this is just a thing. This this is real. This has happened. Um, and what we know is that trans youth and trans adults have significantly higher rates of mental health conditions, substance abuse conditions, and suicide uh, compared to people who identify as cisgender. Um, And I think that's really important that we talk about that um, because, you know, studies have shown that 40%, 40%, that's almost half of transgender adults have attempted suicide in their lifetime, not just thought about it, but tried it. And that 30% of transgender youth have attempted suicide in the past year. That's huge. Yeah. Those those rates are so significantly higher for any other mental health condition that I can think of. And add to that, if these transgender youth, for example, also, I mean, being transgender, you you already are facing a lot of stress at, from being a minority, like in that way. But if you add other intersectional identities to this in terms of race, socioeconomic status, religion, uh, family structure, poverty, like things like that, your rates just go up and up and up and up. And what we have found is that by providing gender affirming care, which again is a spectrum, right? It runs all the way from gender affirming psychotherapy to explore your feelings to hormonal treatment in puberty, which again can be reversed. Um, you know, there's this big fear like, oh no, we're going to do something that is permanent and we can never fix it. The hormonal therapies basically stop puberty from happening. And so it gives a child who's experiencing this the chance to like sit with it and really figure it out. And there are so many guidelines um, that you have to wait a certain amount of time. Someone has to live in their Well, I think that's actually for surgery. But there's a lot of guidelines before you just like do that, before Mm -hmm. you stop puberty. But then if this person sort of changes their mind down the road, which is incredibly rare but does happen, it is easy to reverse and then sort of start puberty in the gender you were assigned at birth. Anyway, all the way to uh, gender-confirming surgeries, which, again, a lot of um, rules – around, you know, qualifying for surgeries like that, at least in our state, you have to live in your um, your uh, gender identity for at least a year. You have to express that outwardly. Um, and then you also have to have psychiatric evaluations and be cleared from a psychiatric standpoint by more than one physician. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. And what are your thoughts about that, Portia? Do you think that's helpful? Um, or do you think that is like kind of further stigmatizing or a barrier? I think it really depends on the provider. Like, I think it can be stigmatizing. And I think, I guess I'd say as a whole, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can go either way. Mm -hmm. I think there's there's positive experiences where it's just like, you know, it, it is catching people, making a secure choice in something that they've always known but you know Mm -hmm. surgery has risks and i think it's just to really prepare you for that i think it's like i i guess you know we're kind of going i'm going to bring up something totally different but it's like 
if an 18-year-old female would want to, like, have their tubes tied, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, if a 30-year-old is coming to you and want to have their tubes tied, sure, be -hmm. done. But it's like, okay, we need to give you information. Do you know? Because that's, I'm, you know, I'm actually unsure. Permanent? Uh, For the most part. Yeah. I think there's some that you can reverse. Yeah. But yeah, it's a more permanent option. um, I think it's just important to educate, right, mm-hmm. the risks, see if this is something that you really want to, so it's mm-hmm. thoughtful. And mm-hmm. I think most of the time, again, it it is. Like, mm-hmm. it's been years and decades of, mm-hmm. of wanting um, or not feeling comfortable in the gender you were assigned at birth. So I, I guess I, I don't know. I think in some cases it can be useful just to prepare mm-hmm. yourself for mm-hmm. a very significant surgery, just like right. any surgery a huge is. change, right. Um, but I also do think there's absolutely aspects of it that can be super harmful like like really navigating it with insurance which i think right. you know if you are paying privately i think it's a much quicker process right so i think that's true, that's true. always just like something to throw in there right right true very true um and also i think like we know that people who identify as trans face so much stigma and violence like trans youth, trans adults are so much more likely to be victims of physical violence, mm-hmm. assault, murder, things like that than cisgender people. Especially when they are presenting a gender um, and they're not passing. Yes. So, right? That's the highest risk time for them. So you're right. asking them to stay in this for place. For a year. Right. That's the part where I'm like, ooh, that's like on the one hand, it's like I get it. It's like you want to make sure you're sure. On the other hand, it like really increases, I I think, I don't know this for sure, like I don't have the data to back it up, but I worry that it increases their risk of like harm coming to them. Um, and, And there is something just so stigmatizing about, you know, the system being like, well, you have to really make sure that you're sure before we help you and offer you this care that's been shown to like significantly decrease your risk of, of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't pretend to know all the answers or have like a better uh, system option in my mind, but I just think these are really complicated issues. And coming back to the movie She's the Man, we see her kind of dealing with that as she's trying to pass. Um, Portia, can you define what passing means for our listeners? Sure. So if somebody's passing, that means they they appear, I'd say, I don't know, to 99% of people, the gender that they're intending to pass as. So if right. somebody is making a transition from male to female, they look like a female. Like you would never question it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I also would just ask people to know that there's a lot of people that you don't know who are, 100%. you know, passing and, and they're, you're, you're feeling safe with them. But Right. So it's like the people who are not passing yet who are coming in. And I'm thinking this is the big right like issue <sighs> to a bathroom where right. you're still kind of looking like a guy. But, you know, you're dressed as a female like that's where, you know, people get really scared and it feels, you know, but again, that's where the danger comes for them. For them not 100 percent. That's just what the data says. And again, the data says that people who identify as trans are not sexual deviants or, you know, aggressors or pedophiles or, or things like that. That's just not true. That's like an, a really unfortunate stigma and bias um, that just keeps getting perpetuated. Mm-hmm. And all the way to, you know, I think we've seen, we see this date back 
centuries, you know, is like people um, performing, right? Yes. Like drag queens are going 100%. to shows where people are cross-dressing, like Shakespeare around forever. So and, the idea mm-hmm. that it is this harmful, right, sexual deviant going to corrupt children is like just this new thing. Ridiculous. Right. And again, we see this in other animals, too. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But I do remember in college in my animal behavior class with uh, Professor Wasserman learning about different species where the women would pretend to be men, like to protect their young and vice versa. So we see this um, in other species. We've seen this in humanity dating back centuries, mm-hmm. like forever. This this is just a, a thing. Yep. So you brought up you before, right? Or was that in another podcast? So, so getting back to she's the man, um, worth noting that we see Malcolm, who's just kind of like this annoying guy, right? Who's trying to like figure out what's happening with Viola and Sebastian. Like expose her. He is stalking um, Olivia. Like he has pillows with her face. Oh, it's on so it. creepy. He's always trying to talk to her. And I was just like, you know, just, just also keeping in mind, like, yeah, that seems silly in the movie, but it's not, right? Stalking is the opposite of funny. It's the most terrifying experience per again Everything. all the data to go through so it's just like malcolm is you know you're you're gross yeah we don't like you yeah but a little can. bit of stalking we see in this movie mm-hmm. um and then we see right olivia too so olivia initially um we're introduced to her because duke really likes her and then she develops feelings for sebastian, sebastian played by viola right and i right. thought that is so interesting for olivia like how does she feel yes right knowing that she wanted to kiss and was really into um a girl playing a guy right, right? and then right. she ends up being with the real sebastian i know <laughs> so i'm just curious about like that was just interesting and i think that brings up a great point again portia that there is a difference between your gender identity and your sexual identity right so we've talked about gender identity your sexual identity is you're, you know, like who you feel attracted to. And that is um, under the umbrella of things like heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, asexual. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I was like, is this movie a little homophobic? Like Amanda Bynes or Viola, you know, when she's playing Sebastian, like wouldn't kiss the girls and stuff. Maybe she just doesn't want to, right? But I also thought it sort of did play off of that, like you're saying, and it mm-hmm. was interesting. Um that it seemed like uh, Olivia was attracted to, like, the feminine aspects of uh, Viola playing Sebastian's character. Right, and not Duke, who who presenting to outside people is not that, you know, sensitive guy, but he is but right he behind is. closed doors to other guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So, again, it, it, it explores these themes of gender, sexuality, um, and just how you kind of express yourself and move through the world in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you are a trans person, that doesn't mean you are homosexual or bisexual. Um, and so that is something important to keep in mind that you can, you know, be a trans man and still be attracted to whoever you are attracted to. Mm-hmm. They're not like mutually exclusive. One doesn't uh, lead to the other or anything like that. And we see, you know, Amanda Bynes really come to life when she is at the carnival and performing <laughs> right the rapid like gender changes, code switching. Yes. You know, in, in how she's talking and, and how she's walking. And it's just a, you know, 
being a good good actor and also i think it's part of the humor that they pulled from the play yes um the play i think it's like carnival-y it's silly it's again it's supposed to give like that gender ambiguity Mm -hmm. which i think is just interesting right right? shakespeare's from a long time ago yeah and can you um again uh define code switching for our listeners so we also talk about code switching with um people describe it as like going to different um groups of people right so you might have a way that you speak at home and then when you're in a certain environment like maybe work or like a classroom you like become kind of different and Mm -hmm. you say words differently you use different words you you carry yourself differently Mm -hmm. um i think i was more thinking of it or i've been um aware of it more from like um black americans kind of identifying their experience with being home and then being in like a college right colleges are historically white um places so kind of having to adopt a white code right when going to them to appear right like the norm which is like professional right and, like you can be an educated black person in your right mm-hmm. like home code but in order to be perceived as right. educated in some of these other environments you all, need to yeah. adopt the bigger code all the way from like what you wear to yep. the way you do your hair yep. to do you have tattoos or not mm-hmm. like all of those things so we see in the movie where I don't want to say it necessarily gets wrong. I just think it's like the times and it's not them like right like continuing to 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 educate the masses, but right when they like identify their gender by showing oh their God. body parts at the end. So it's like we see Sebastian 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 pull his pants down, which also like, you know, that's I feel like we don't need to get arrested. It's it's indecent exposure. And everyone's like, oh, and then they're all kind of joking because seemingly he has a large penis. Right, right. It seems like. And then we see Viola later on lift up her shirt shirt to prove she's a girl. So again, even in the movie, they're mixing up, Mm -hmm. you know, sex, you know, anatomical sex parts and your gender. Um, I also thought like the principal, like – just like calling out this this uh issue in front, of in front of everyone weird stopping the the game like there's title nine violations all over the place here and that's just like not the way no you do it he's also just like a weirdo remember he when like weird. he's like over identifying yeah. and like assuming that um viola as sebastian's experience is the same as his mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of creepy. Did you guy. recognize him? No, I did. He's in um a lot of things actually. When I clicked on his name, but I think I recognized him from Men in Black. Oh, he's like he's he's in the first movie, I believe. Um, and I used to really like that movie, and I watched it a lot. But nice. I was like, how do I know this guy? Probably from that. Yeah. So yeah, in general, I thought I wasn't expecting all of this. Like when you said we should cover this movie, I was Mm -hmm. like, huh, okay, Amanda (laughs) Bynes, cool. It's a throwback. All right. Um, But it really did bring up a lot of big themes um, about gender identity, sexual identity, girl versus boy. Like why do we divide Mm -hmm. sports all the time? Just like all of these like sort of gender archetypes um, really brought it out. And again, thinking that this movie's 20 years old, it's really interesting, again, that so many of these themes are still something we're trying to sort through in our culture today. And really, like, I think it was just kind of dismissed probably as, like, a teen movie. Yeah. But I think, like, she was excellent in it. I think the, based on, like, the Shakespeare Twelfth Night was excellent. I think I'm almost comparing it, and we're we're laughing because we also recorded Barbie on this day. And I think it's, it's very similar to Barbie in some ways. 
ways. Right. Where I think, yes, like, of course, the movie could have could have been better. It's also almost 20 years old. But I think that, like, she didn't get the credit that she was owed for mm. playing this role and mm-hmm. for the writing. And again, mm-hmm. like, I just think it's a really clever idea for a movie. And people like me loved it so Mm -hmm. and you were saying there's been a lot of um discussion about it even in the present day yeah um where they're really sort of analyzing the gender roles Mm -hmm. and the way she portrays it yep the way she's code switching um people are still talking about it Mm -hmm. and so i think that is what makes uh art beautiful yeah is that it can provoke these feelings these thoughts give you a means to discuss these bigger issues um especially when you know you might not agree with the person you're talking about it with but it's like a maybe safe neutral place to talk about Mm it um and we're still talking about this stuff so it was interesting yeah so of course you know i think we it's worth saying we wish amanda Bynes well she's iconic and you know i i selfishly would love to see her back in back in theater but that's you know i i I don't know if it's good for her or not you know who am i to say but Mm. i love her she was through my childhood and um Stay tuned. Maybe we'll do another one of her things. But yeah. thank you for listening today to our podcast. If you would like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Analyze Scripts or TikTok at Analyze Scripts Podcast, Threads at Analyze Scripts Podcast. And you can check us out on our website to get more information or continue to search through some of our older episodes. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyzed Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.